This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hello listener, thank you for tuning in to this podcast where I bring to your ears inspiring conversations with some of the best artists, singers, composers, lyricists. Every week I talk to a musical genius to find out their creative discipline. I am Eva Bhatt and you are listening to 9XM Soundcast from India's leading music channel 9XM. Do subscribe to this podcast on Epilogue Media, your one stop for engaging and entertaining podcasts. Karsh Kale, a name that has been synonymous to being exposed to global music. He is a musician that has carved a niche for himself and undoubtedly nobody has been able to touch that coveted space that he enjoys. I vividly remember getting excited about owning a Karsh Kale cassette during my college days in Ahmedabad and as a hostel kid always wanting to attend one gig of his. But little did I know that that far-fetched desire of mine would culminate so beautifully when I would get the chance to interact so closely with the award-winning artist. Karsh Kale, for those of you who might not be aware, he is one of the pioneering figures in defining the Asian underground genre. He has collaborated with Indian maestros like Pandit Ravi Shankar, Ustad Zakir Hussain to international artists like Sting, U2 and many others. He is globally renowned for his tabla drumming or the electronic tabla. He received much praise as well as awards for his score and his two songs in Gully Boy. His latest album Touch comprises of five powerful tracks, a must listen for all music lovers across the world. Listener, please join me as I welcome The Karsh Kale on 9XM Soundcast connected with us remotely from Goa. Awesome. Uh, once again, thank you so much for having me. So for all our you know, listeners, and especially the young listeners and viewers of this podcast, uh, Karsh, I would request you to kind of go back in time and kind of uh, you know, let us uh, take a, a sneak peek into your childhood because it would be very interesting and intriguing for us to know as to how did music really, uh, you know, what kind of music shaped you uh, and you know, influenced you in your growing years. So a bit about your background. Well, I mean, I was very much uh, inspired by music at a very young age. I mean, some of my first memories are musical memories. So by the time I was three years old, I was listening to music. Um, kind of started studying what I was listening to as well. Um, and I was surrounded by lots of styles of music. My father was playing a lot of Indian classical music in the house, film music. Uh, and then, of course, there was the pop music that I was growing up listening to on the radio. And, you know, as I got older, I started, uh, I was very much into the drums. And because I was a drummer, I was very much into a lot of progressive music, progressive rock, progressive jazz, um, things like that. And, and then I was also into hip hop music and break right. dancing. And of course, Michael Jackson had a big influence on our whole generation. Um, and then slowly I started getting into, uh, uh, electronic music and, and film score music and things like that. Um, so I just kept on, I, I think, because I was uh, surrounded by so many different styles of music and allowed 
um, a lot of those things to just kind of naturally mix. Um, later on, when, when I was in college, that's when I really started to compose my own music and, and bring a lot, of all, a lot of those different influences together into one sound, you know. And of course, growing up in the middle of all of that, my father introduced me to tabla, and that became, you know, one of the main instruments that I was exploring as I, you know, began, began to produce music. Wow. But I also feel, uh, Karsh Kale, that, you know, the fact that you set out on a different path uh, and not the traditional route compared to other musicians. And at that point of time, you carved your own niche. That must have been a different challenge altogether. You know, in that initial phase of your career, you know, now times are different. You know, people are consuming all kinds of music. But then at that point of time, doing something so, you know, radically different. Uh, so tell me about that. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I ever set out to make anything that would, would be appealing to a mass audience. Um, because whatever I was thinking, whatever I was hearing in my head, if I was listening to whatever muse I was listening to, it was telling me something very particular. And it had a lot to do with my own identity. And it just so happened that that identity was analogous to so many people within my generation. So that became the first audience that I was making music for. Um, but, you know, you don't ever set out to be, to create a niche or what I did was just listen to, you know, the inspiration that I had in my head and, and try and follow that and try and follow that to the end. For me, uh, you know, success came from, realizing a particular sound and you know whenever I would hear something in my head and I would spend time in the studio working on that sound and I would arrive at that sound that was it for me that was you know and then of course playing it in front of people and getting that feedback and having that and then having that become a soundtrack for them you know right. these are these are all things that just kind of happen naturally but I Thank think you, that sir. what you were saying before in terms of you know those who break the uh the, um, the, the trodden path of, of what traditional music is supposed to be. I don't think that that, I think that when we think about traditional anything, it's just a look, it's a snapshot looking back at what that music was or, or is at that moment. But I mean, if you look at uh, film music from India from the very beginnings of film right. music, or if you look at classical music today, Classical music wouldn't sound the way it does if it wasn't for the vision of people like Shivkumar Sharma and Zakir Hussain and Ravi Shankar. And they heard something after they had learned the tradition, they heard something else. And so they went on that lifelong pursuit to find that sound. So it, just like that, myself and many other artists in my generation, we were introduced to a lot of new technology. So oh. then we were, the, the, the boundaries we were stepping outside of was just the instrument. So meaning I, uh, for me, it wasn't just about the tablas. It was about where can the, who can the tabla interact with and how can the tabla as a language speak to many other different languages? You know, so that's where the interaction between electronic music and rock music and so many different styles of music. Because in fact, tabla much more than any other percussion instrument has an actual language. And just like hip hop can, can be spoken and can be performed in any country all over the world, I always felt like the tabla had that same uh, potential. 
Wow, amazing. I, I think I, I really uh, love the word pursuit that you use because I think that, you know, uh, the pursuit to uh, find uh, or uh, uh, just explore, uh, you know, different sounds and different kinds of music uh, is what really, uh, you know, made you, uh, you know, Karsh Kale. Uh, so, so <laughs> further going, let's, let's, let's really listen to, you know, something, uh, Karsh, for all our listeners, you know, something if I could request you to play, uh, you know, something for us. Wow, thank you so much. You collaborated with, uh, you know, as I said, some really uh, great maestros. So how was that experience? Uh, if something that you have, uh, you know, whatever you have learned from you know, your various experiences, if you can share with mm-hmm. us. Well, I, I mean, one thing for sure is, you know, when I first started making this type of music or the kind of music that I make, um, I was doing it by myself with a small community of people in New York. Um, I had no idea what the community at large, how the, what the reception would be. Um, at that particular time, I was sampling Indian classical musicians and putting, it, putting them into tracks and working them with drum and bass tracks and electronica and, um, and it just experimenting. Uh, and then all of a sudden I started working with people like Nishat Khan and, uh, and Ustaz Sultan Khan and then, of course, joining Tabla Beat Science with, uh, with Ustad Zakir Hussain and, and Sultan Khan. And, and, and then all of a sudden realizing that they were finding what I was doing inspiring. And getting their blessing to not necessarily follow in their path of the, of the traditional path, but to continue on the path that I was at was a huge thing for me. I think once I, you know, I think everybody... Because I never really had a, a guru in that way. I never had a, a, a real teacher. I learned from many different people wow. and studied a lot by myself. So to come from a place where you're trying something new and then to get the blessing from the greatest in the world, from people like Pandit Ravi Shankar and Ustad Zakir Hussain, Sultan Khan, um, that was the, you know, I think for me, the launching pad to, you know, allow me to then, you know, if, if you were asking, like, where does one find the courage to do something like that? Uh, I didn't need any courage after that because, you know, if Zakir, if Zakir Bai says you can do it, then you can do it. Right. I would also like to know about your Indian roots. You know, you are a Maharashtrian. Something about that, you know, would be really interesting. Well, I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up in New York, uh, in Long Island. Uh, my parents kept us on a steady diet of Laoni music and uh, a lot of Marathi uh, old films and uh, um, a lot of Nati Sangeet and things like that. So, yeah, so this was a, and you know, when I was growing up, I I used to go uh, every, every year we used to go to the Grand Maharashtra Mandal uh, convention, which would be all the Maharashtrians of America would get together um, and, uh, and, you know, connect. And for the kids, it was just, for us to be able to end some, you know, I met some lifelong friends and, and family, you know, through those experiences. 
Right. But ultimately, your, you know, your uh, Mumbai roots, if I can say, brought you, yeah. uh, you know, to play a, such a pivotal role in a movie like Gully Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Lovely. Gosh, it has it has been just so, so amazing, you know, having you just having you on this podcast. It means a lot. <laughs> wow, kya baat hai. And um, so tell me, uh, Karsh, uh, you know, you were you were doing so well, you know, in your particular, you know, genre, if I can say. But then how did, you know, the Hindi mainstream cinema really happen in your life? And you are a you are, you are a perfect example if i can say that if you have the belief in yourself and your music then uh, you know but there is no such thing that you know you can't get into uh, say bollywood or if like bollywood or any other industry wouldn't like really you know find your music relatable or you know your music could then fit into any sort of any kind of uh, you know, creation. So uh, you are, you have set a perfect example, you know, with a film like Gully Boy. I mean, I, for me, uh, you know, I've always had very close friends who have worked uh, and thrived in the Bollywood scene. Um, for me, music is, like I said, music is a language. language. And it's a language that can be spoken in any, you know, if you speak that language, you can speak it in any different conversation that you might need to have. Right. You know, for, for me, in, on the same year that uh, that Gully Boy came out, I also was asked to to do a remake for you, too. You know, and that for me is a completely different world. Oh my but God. how I take whatever it is that I say and I do as an as an artist, I can then bring that to, you know, whatever, uh, whether it's an orchestral situation or if it's a or if it's a heavy metal situation or, you know, if I'm joining something as a drummer, I bring all of those different sensibilities and what makes it unique is that, you know, you're using different languages and kind of speaking a multilingual, you know, dialect at the same time, you know, or all at once, you know, so something like Gully Boy for me was, you know, I never set out to be in Bollywood per se, but it just so happened that it worked out um, that the aesthetic that I had been uh, kind of been working at for, for a while and what, and the vision that Zoya had and the vision that Ankur Tiwari, the, the music right. supervisor, had, um, you know, for the film, all of that kind of came together in, uh, in a really, you know, wonderful way so that all of us were able to kind of use our strengths to make this big story, you know. But I, but I, I must say that the real success of the film has to do with the fact that it's about street music. It's about the streets. And anytime you tell a story about what's really happening on the streets, people are going to resonate. So rightly said, I must say, listening to your music over a period of so many years now, I feel that every album of yours, even if it's just instrumental, you know, each track tells you a story, you know, and same is the case with Touch, your latest album. Every track is giving out a powerful story, uh, sometimes an emotional experience. So tell us about the making of this album, Karsh. Well, Touch uh, is an album that I created uh, uh, solely through the lockdown of 2020. So I started it uh, when I had flown back to, I was originally supposed to fly back to the States for about three weeks to do some concerts and then come back to Goa. Uh, right. instead, I got, I was, instead, I got grounded in New York um, and stayed there for six months 
had all my shows canceled and uh, didn't really come, it didn't come to go on until August of that year. So basically spent six months in, in, uh, in Brooklyn and six months in Goa. So what I was able to do was start working on my own music. And, you know, the tracks are very much reflections of what I was going through, through this pandemic. And I think probably analogous to what a lot of people were going through, a lot of uh, longing and, and despair mixed with hope and uh, sometimes just wanting to dance uh, you know, and the, the, the idea of the, the title, Touch, um, just uh, it kind of harkens upon what I think a lot of people needed over the past year. You know, we were all isolated. We were all separated from our families, separated from loved ones, separated from friends. Um, and months and months went by before we were able to literally touch each other. So that's, uh, it, that, that is really where that title and, you know, the inspiration for the track came from. I think, I mean, two things I would say. One, uh, just to any aspiring artist, uh, to continue to be open to learning something new every day. Wow. Um, nothing, nothing is in music is, uh, is solid. It's, it's fluid. fluid and it's always wow. moving. It's always, it's always evolving. So even an idea that comes to you, an, an inspiration, by the time you're done with it, it will be something else. And you have to be open to allowing that. But uh, and this, but the second thing I'd say to any musician who wants to be like me, I would say the same thing that musicians that I said that to said to me, which was, you should try and be a musician like yourself. Let's let's listen something from you now, Karsh. You are there with your tabla. I would take the you know chance to request you to play something for us. Thank you once again. Let's let's of course uh, you know learn from you, uh, Karsh. Uh, you know the 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 unique art of uh, you know tabla drumming is uh, something that you are globally renowned for. Something that you could en enlighten us. I, I I can't be you know talking much about it. Tell me about you know this uh, this thing of yours that is so much loved. Tabla drumming. Well, I think that for me, I mean, when you know when people say uh, you know that you're a world-renowned tabla player. I know of, of hundreds of tabla players who are scary, uh, uh, you know, skill-wise, you know, and taking different karanas to, you know, different levels. Yeah, well. um, and, you know, for me, that was never my pursuit. My pursuit as a tabla player was to be an artist uh, who explores the different places that it could go. Wow. And once that door is open, other people are walking through those doors and doing phenomenal things with that. Um, I, you know, as when I was growing up, I, I did study classical tabla. I did want to play classical tabla for a while, but I realized at some point that there's only so many, so many hours in the day. And there's only so much that I can devote to something that really requires all of your devotion if, you, if you're going to go in that direction. So, you know, I don't consider myself a classical tabla player, even though I do uh, once or twice a year do a classical concert. But more than anything, I like to take all of the different things that I learn as a tabla player and apply them in, in, in new and interesting ways. 
And if if I've con- con- contributed anything as a tabla player, I think that's it. Uh, also, uh, Karsh, uh, share with us some of your gig experiences, especially with uh, you know somebody like Sting or U2. Of course, you know everybody is a huge U2 and a Sting fan. I'm sure listeners would be excited to know something about you know your experience of collaborating with them. While I was growing up, I was a huge Sting fan. And of course, a huge YouTube fan as well. Um, I was a huge police fan, um, and I had thought to myself that maybe one day I might be able to possibly play some drums with him, or you know, sit in as a tabla player. Or, but the opportunity came when we were working on the Breathing Underwater album to write a, a song, and which he had asked. Uh, he had basically said, "You guys have to write this song because I don't have time." Uh, but I'd love to collaborate. So, uh, as a songwriter, for me, that was that was probably one of the greatest challenges and moments where I feel like I was able to kind of prove something to myself as a songwriter because because we sent it to him and Sting approved the song and came to the studio and spent five hours with us recording. So, funny story that happened in the studio while we were recording "Sea Dreamer" uh, wow. with Sting. Uh, was that I had uh, given him the lyrics uh, that I had spent the last two days working on. Um, and uh, he went in the studio and spent about five hours going back and forth, getting the, getting all the vocals correct. And then he walked out uh, with his glasses on and kind of tilted them down and, and wrote 80 over 100 in red pen on my lyric sheet. And I asked him what, what that meant. And he said that you get 100 for lyrics, but you get 80 for spelling. So he had corrected some of my spelling while uh, while we were working. So that was quite a that's funny thing. Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious! Wow, really, um, you know, humble of you. And uh, tell me, uh, how do you feel? Uh, you know, what do you feel about uh, you know the music scene currently in um, India? You know, the independent music scene or uh, Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is it um, is it a breeding uh, you know ground uh, a fertile breeding ground for uh, you know new kind of uh, music to happen? Or uh, yeah, what do you see? How do you perceive? Yeah, I think there's new music happening all the time. I think there's so much new music happening, um, you know, in all different genres, you know, both. And the thing is, is that right now I don't, I don't really see uh, a scene in India that different that differs from the scenes in the rest of the world. You know, I think that you know what's happening in say folk music around the world is also happening in India. So what's happening in hip hop all over the world is also happening in India. Uh, what's happening in rock music, what's happening in, in all kinds of in electronic music, you know, techno music, whatever style of music that exists in the world is happening and thriving in India. Right. So it's for, for me, calling it like the indie scene and things like that is almost diminishing, you know, the scope of what is possible. Indian artists are international artists now. You know, they're part of the, the larger lexicon. They're not, you know, they're not representing India as much as they're representing the the wider world and the new generation that that we all are a part of. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that is, that is the, uh, you know, language that, uh, you know, your music uh, speaks. That's really something that we as a world, we need uh, right now. And Touch is, uh, you know, the perfect album, I must say. So uh, thanks to you for giving such a lovely album. Uh, what would you like to, you know, tell our uh, listeners and viewers about this album? Well, I mean, I hope that it, uh, you know, for me, it's, it, was, it was a diary of the past year that we've all been through. So I, um, I hope that it, you know, plays as some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of bomb or therapy or, you know, or, or just fun. You know, you know there's, there's moments on the album where it's just about letting go of, of all of it, you know. And then there's, there's certain parts of the album where you're really indulging in, in the nostalgia or the emotional spaces that you were in. Uh, so yeah, I just, I just hope that it means something to people. That's more than anything, you know, I, whenever I make any kind of music, I just hope that it reaches somebody and, and means something to them more than just something that they're listening to for entertainment. Wow. Anything, any, any, any of your future projects that you would like to, you know, talk about or reveal anything, anything that you're working on, something? Well, there's, there's uh, soon after Touch comes out, Touch is coming out as, a, as Touch One, which is the first part. So in about a month's time, uh, the second part, Touch Two, will come out, which is another six, six new tracks that will be released. And then through the year, I'll be releasing a couple of new projects as well. Um, which are still kind of in the works, but you know we're also still in an industry that's up in the air. So yeah, yeah. So who knows? The, the, all of these answers may change. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Come on. Now my five-year-old daughter, she's a regular feature of my podcast Hello, because sweetheart. she's bound to, you know, kind of interrupt and. Sasha, you're meeting a wonderful Sasha, musician. Sasha. Sasha. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Sasha, you can't hear him, but I'll make you listen to his music. Just something yeah, that you should yeah. listen. Okay, give, give Mama five minutes and I'll be <laughs> with you. No, no, no. I want to... Oh, oh, you must keep all of this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sasha, I'll see you in five minutes. I'll see you in five minutes. Mama, please. I'll see you in five minutes. Thank you. That's priceless. <laughs> priceless moment. So sweet. Thank you so much. If you uh, could uh, share any insight or anything that you would want to share, what is that creative discipline uh, in you that has helped you uh, become what you are? Um, what I would say is, uh, I mean, something that I do that I've all um, in my creative process is to find what is analogous to what I'm experiencing. Um, what I mean by that is, if I'm listening to a particular type of music um, or even if I'm watching a particular type of film or, uh, or see a, a, some sort of visual art so that I find something analogous to something else that, uh, and find that connection. And for me, that's how I've been able to find connections between Indian classical music and, and not just Indian classical music, but a particular rod with a particular sound, uh, a particular mood or a particular, you know, um, style uh, that works with a, with a particular sounding instrument and something that wouldn't have been uh, something you might not have heard before, but something that you find by just continuing to be curious about what is analogous to this. Wow. 
Lovely. Thank you so much, Karsh. It has been just wonderful. Uh, your album touch, you know, uh, the first series and the second series. Lots of love from, you know, us fans. Oh, it's been fantastic. I've had a great Thank time. You. And you've been a fantastic host. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me once again. Hi, this is Karsh Palais. You were listening to 9XM Soundcast. Make sure you subscribe. Learning something new every day. Striving to create original music. Experiment, explore and bringing out your unique identity in your music or your creation. Karsh Kale's music has always been so inspiring and it's wonderful how he infuses modernity into traditional music. How his music always succeeds in telling a story. Maybe that's why he strongly speaks of his music or the tabla being a language. This dynamic approach towards music is worth noticing. Tell me listener how you enjoyed this episode with Karsh Kale. So guys, share with me your experience of listening to this podcast. Write to me at eva.bhat at 9xmedia.in You can connect with me on Instagram at evabhatpodcast. Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast on Epilogue Media, the website, so that you don't miss any episode. You can also enjoy the videos of our previous episodes on the official YouTube channel of 9XM and Spotlamp. Just search 9XM Soundcast on YouTube. I will talk to you guys next Wednesday with a fresh episode. This is me, Eva, signing off for now. You were listening to 9XM Soundcast on Epilogue Media. Hey listener, did you check out 9XM Song Secret? A perfect podcast for music lovers where host Shafali Juneja talks about your favorite artists and their secrets. What are the secrets? For that, you will have to listen to this cool podcast, 9XM Song Secret. <laughs>